What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Roberti, the business freelance writer here. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to make six figures as a freelance writer. We have a freelance writer who's done the, just that. She uses social media, SEO, and other resources to build up to a consistent six figures. And we're going to be talking about that in this episode today. Our guest who joins us today, she began her career as a Hollywood TV writer before hitting the road and becoming a digital nomad and six-figure freelance writer. Our guest now travels the world while ghostwriting memoirs and nonfiction books for inspiring individuals. Our guest who joins us in this episode of Breakthrough Success is none other than Amy Sudo. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. I'm really excited to be here. I've just been so inspired by your podcast and how you kind of spotlight all different parts of freelance writing. So really happy to be part of the show. Amy, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And with freelance writing, there is a big advantage with the flexibility of schedule. A lot of freelancers who I have on the show appreciate that. But I'm wondering if you could share with us your journey to becoming a freelance writer and being able to gain control over your schedule. Definitely. So I kind of came up in Hollywood as an assistant, eventually got to write my own episode of TV and became a TV writer. But I was really disillusioned with Hollywood and the way that it all worked and the, the kind of the the backwards nature of the industry. So while I was an assistant working my way up the ladder, I started moonlighting as a memoir ghostwriter. And I just really loved it. And I realized that I would never be able to travel if I was stuck in LA for nine months out of the year. And so while I was kind of writing these different memoirs for Olympians and, and professional like athletes and Silicon Valley CEOs, I realized there was this whole other world of writing that I didn't even know was available to me. And so when the pandemic hit, I took that as a sign and I went full-time freelance and I focused on memoir ghostwriting and creative copy and storytelling. And it really allowed me to uh, kind of re- rethink my career and my ability to travel and see many different places rather than thinking that I was just going to be a writer in one place for my whole career. And I want to go a little more into the memoir model because a lot of the writers who I've had on the show, they make money with article writing. And there are ways that you get clients that way, like you contact editors for publications and things like that. But for memoirs with Olympians, with well-known people, is there a way to reach out and like, you they like you know they want to write or like is it as easy as finding like an editor or is there a little more legwork to find someone who is interested in you writing a memoir for them yeah definitely it's 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 definitely a little bit of a different model i actually got my start on the platform Upwork. And for some reason, a lot of people who write their memoirs use that platform. When you search for memoir ghostwriter, it's the first that comes up. And so I actually meet a lot of my clients through that freelancing platform, especially earlier on in my career. And then later on, as I grew more established and started to do more books for people, uh, I started meeting people who found me through my website, amycedo.com, or from my social media or things like that. And so I think that as freelancers, it's always good to have multiple streams of, of ways that clients can find us. And so One thing I spent a lot of time on was trying to figure out what are the resources that people who want to write memoirs want to read. And so I wrote a bunch of blog posts about how much does hiring memoir ghostwriter cost and all of that stuff that people are searching. And that was a huge source of traffic for me uh, in order to find those people who really wanted to do their own homework and find a memoir ghostwriter that matched their story and their style. So a lot of clients find me these days, but I don't, I, I think that there's a lot of ways that you can get creative as a freelancer to try and 
craft different outreach strategies depending on where stage you are in your career and what you're looking for. And I'm really interested if we could go more into detail with the blog, because you mentioned that that's a place where some of the writers find you. And it's really good to be in a situation where you're getting inbound leads. They come to you instead of you having to send pitches. I feel like sending pitches is something that a lot of writers should still be doing. And you're going to have to do it a lot in the beginning. But when you get deeper into it, it's possible to get some inbound leads. I feel like a lot of freelance writers, they start up with blogs, but when they get clients, you see that the last blog post they wrote was like three years ago. Do you suggest people like continue writing on their blogs like every single week? Or do you think that it has diminishing returns at some point? Definitely. I think I think a blog is still a really great marketing tool. Um, like I really enjoyed checking out your blog and, and also seeing the podcast in there. I think it's a great way to kind of aggregate everything that you're doing as a freelancer, as a creator in one place. And so many people want to do their own research and to find you organically rather than see an ad or have you reach out. And so I do think it's still the best thing. I've been blogging since I was 12. And I actually found so many incredible opportunities and met so many amazing people just because I was sharing my thoughts about what I was reading, what I was learning, where I was visiting. And I think that that is such an organic way to meet clients, to meet collaborators. And so I have earned like hundreds of thousands of dollars of projects from my blog because clients saw an article that they really liked that spoke to them or found me through another way. Or And I've also met just people on my travels who read my blog and reached out to me and I met up with them. So I do think that your blog is kind of like a beacon of people who think like you or want to accomplish things like you or kind of are in the same mind meld. And so with just the the act and practice of writing one blog post, that blog post will be out on the internet forever and people will be able to find you from that. And so I wrote this one post about being an INTJ and, and, and introverts in the world and wh- why that's such a kind of a unique experience. And I still get people reach out to me about that really, really old blog post and kind of like meet me that way as well. And so I think that as a freelancer, if you're looking to get clients, if you're looking to just meet other people, I think that you have to keep up a weekly blog, even though it is It is definitely an investment of your time to do so. Coming up, we're going to talk about the importance of building a personal brand while building up your freelance writing business and more into the insights of how Amy became a six-figure freelance writer. Before we get into that, though, we have a quick message from our sponsor. Breakthrough Success listeners, you know that your brain power is best spent on running your business, not on the annoying details of saving receipts, calculating your taxes, and categorizing expenses. What if there was something that could take care of all of that for you and free up more of your time? Well, there is, and it's called Found. Found is a business banking app built specifically for the self-employed. It's an all-in-one banking app, meaning it comes with the smart tools you need to run your business. Manage your income, expenses, taxes, and invoicing all from the Found app. Even sign up is easy. It's free. It takes just a few minutes. Plus, if you spend $100 with your found card in the first 30 days, you can get a $25 bonus in your account. There's no commitments. Try found today and see what all-in-one banking can do for you. Head to found.com slash breakthrough or use the promo code breakthrough to try found today. Terms and conditions apply. Found is a financial technology company, not a bank. Found's banking services are provided by Piermont Bank member FDIC. Remember, head to found.com slash breakthrough or use promo code breakthrough to try found today. Let's get right back into the episode. I think the argument a lot of freelancers make is, well, 
if I have a lot of clients and they pay well, I could just be writing a client article instead of that blog post. But if that blog post is bringing you multiple clients your way, you are getting an ROI from that blog post. And sometimes it takes several blog posts for someone to decide that they want to use your freelance writing services. Yeah. And I think that to quickly jump on that, because I think this is really interesting and it's something that I think people often forget about when you're a freelancer, when they think that, oh, the moment that I am booked up with clients, don't need to do any more outreach, don't need to do any more blog posts, things like that. But the thing that you actually need to do and a lot of freelancers don't know is that you need to keep maxing yourself out on clients and then raising your rates. And I think that that allows you to do better work for your clients. And then when you lose a few clients, when you raise your rates, you're still doing outreach so that you're staying competitive in the space. And that's how you kind of hit and break through those income barriers rather than just being comfortable with the clients that you already have. Because naturally as a freelancer, there's gonna be periods of really high amounts of work and lower amounts of work. And so if you're able to continue to kind of build your the incoming client requests, you'll never be hungry for work and you can continue to raise your rates to meet that demand. And that's kind of where your leverage comes from as a freelancer. And so that's why I think that even if you're completely overwhelmed with client work, that just is a sign that you should raise your rates and continue writing blog posts. I mean, there definitely is this uh, feast or famine point for freelance writing. Some months are just naturally busier than others. And during those less busy months, that could be an opportunity to double down on your own content. Now, with freelance writing clients, a lot of them, they'll say, like, we want 1,200 words for an article, this many backlinks. Do you set requirements like those for each of your blog posts and go buy them, or is it more of a freestyle? I think it's more of a freestyle. There's definitely some aspects of SEO that I keep in mind. I always do some amount of keyword research to understand who I'm targeting I'm usually trying to think about my ideal client and what they want to read from me. But I think when it comes to blog posts, it's best to be as authentic as possible in the world where, you know, chat GPT is a a commodity that everybody's using now to generate blog posts. I do think that those storytelling types of blog posts that talk about your experience and, and what your life is like as a writer is much more interesting to read than just kind of like a cut and dry article about like what is, you know, what is memoir ghostwriter? So in, in an article that I wrote kind of breaking down what I do as a memoir ghostwriter, I was throwing in a lot of different stories about what I was doing that month and my like struggle to pick a Halloween costume and things that I felt were kind of like fun and interesting to let the reader know a little bit about me while I was also breaking down concepts that I thought that they would find interesting. And I mean, that personalization, that's the one thing that AI cannot do. Uh, it, it knows how to create, it knows how to give tips. It knows a lot of things that we know. But that personalization, if you are writing content for your own brand to get clients that way, the personalization is a really good resource. I know that blogging is a really good way to get clients. A lot of people have also been talking about social media as well. LinkedIn is a pretty popular one among uh, freelancers. Uh, Is LinkedIn your top platform or do you have some other favorites? Yeah, LinkedIn has been an extraordinary platform, both for myself and my clients. I'm really kind of fascinated by how LinkedIn has gone from this like very shunned, like toxic, like corporate platform of social media to suddenly a platform where a lot of people are flocking to share ideas and job finding strategies and connect with old classmates. And so 
LinkedIn almost feels like the new Facebook. And it's also a really fascinating way to kind of speak to other people in on a more professional level and kind of get your work out there. And so if you are a freelancer, it's a great platform to kind of share how you approach client work and things like that. And so I get a lot of inquiries through LinkedIn. I think it's a great platform for freelancers. And I also see a lot of clients that come to me for help with writing thought leadership pieces for them on LinkedIn because the reach is crazy. I had one client that when I wrote for him for our first week together, I did ghostwriting for his LinkedIn page. He went from like zero to like 70,000 impressions on like the first week with just those the first posts. And so I think there's a lot of great ways you can convert people to your email list. You can convert people to try your product. And so I think that all founders and freelancers should be on LinkedIn even though it's a platform that's gotten a lot of flack in, in previous years. I mean, zero to 70K impressions in one week is quite impressive. Um, is that hashtags that you're using in the post? Is it, because I know some people also say like, you got to comment like crazy on other people's content. Uh, or is it just the post itself? Like, what would you say helped create that type of transition? Yeah. So for something like that, we focused really deeply on storytelling posts, trying to figure out how are you telling a story about your transformation, about how your customers had a transformation, about something that you learned, a lesson. And so kind of like how TikTok has that similar like storytelling first mentality. LinkedIn is similar. Everybody thinks that you can just like throw up some content, add some hashtags and reply, but that's kind of more of like Twitter's game. I think these days, I think LinkedIn, people are kind of starving for those stories about leadership, about transitioning in careers, like rags to riches, like everybody loves those types of stories so that the more story framework you can add to your LinkedIn posts, the better off you'll be. Yeah. And also storytelling. I mean, it's something that's been going on for thousands of years. Like we all love a good story. And I've been seeing a lot more of these storytelling posts on LinkedIn. For some people, they know they have knowledge in their industry, but they're not as good at storytelling. I wonder if you could just share some like insights for people to just get better at storytelling and what are some things we can try? Definitely. So I think when you're thinking about storytelling, a lot of people kind of don't usually position themselves in the right way within their story. Ever, usually it's too self-reflective, like I did this, I did this. You really have to think about your audience. You're writing to be read. You're not writing a journal. And so when you're writing stories for other people, it's really important to be like, how will this bring value to somebody's life? How will this teach them a lesson? How will this kind of walk them through a transformation that I went through that can then help them reflect on their own lives? How can I teach them something that will be a tool that they'll use in their business in a certain way? And so trying to understand how the story will help your audience and why should they stop scrolling to read your story? And I think that positioning that also within your industry, giving a controversial take on something or kind of analyzing a current event, there's a ton of different things that you can do in the storytelling field when it comes to these posts. But I think that it kind of starts with this idea of story structure of what is the hook? Like, what is the conflict? You know, who is the hero and the villain? And the villain might be an institution like returning back to the office versus working from home uh, and things like that. So I think there's a lot of like kind of clever ways that you can use the traditional story structure, but really bring it through in a concise way with your own life and your own industry and the things that people care about in terms of your readers. So in order to tell good stories, you really do need to understand who do you want to attract? What is your audience? And how can you speak authentically to them in a way that, that makes them care? 
I like that a lot. I mean, like for some people, storytelling is just like listing all of their accomplishments, which isn't going to make for the best conversation. I mean, you'll do a lot of the talking probably, but the person listening isn't going to be as engaged. So I, I like this focus on the person you're reaching out to and using that as a compass for your storytelling. And one of the things I want to explore also is that with any career, there are a lot of things that we do realize they don't work or things we pick up later. There's a lot of lessons that we learn along the way. Um, I'm wondering if you could share some of the things that you were doing early in your freelance writing that maybe weren't as productive or uh, you look at these and you say, I, I should have allocated my time into other areas. Definitely. I think that there's two really important things if you're a freelancer. The first thing is not just time management, but energy management. And energy management is really fascinating because it's not just about how are you spending the hours in your day? That's important. But I think energy management comes from, does this work bring you life? And I think that when I was kind of more in some of the more traditional parts of freelance writing, where I was just kind of like writing a bunch of articles with not a lot of like special touches onto it and like kind of starting my career, I realized what I really loved is like the things that had that storytelling challenge of not only am I writing a blog post, but it needs to tell a story and involve all of these pieces. And then that also kind of helped me gain footing in like the world that I really wanted to be in, which was memoir ghostwriting. And I think that there's something so satisfying about helping people tell their stories in a really grander sense, because you only get one memoir, you only get one chance to, sh sell, to tell your story to others. And even I've worked with a lot of business leaders and CEOs and entrepreneurs who want to teach other people how to become an entrepreneur and to kind of walk them through the life of what it means to be an entrepreneur or a freelancer. And so it's been incredibly rewarding to help people shift that experience. And so when I started stepping into the assignments and working with clients that were perfectly aligned with what I was excited about, my burnout really went away. <laughs> and I think that avoiding burnout is the number one thing that a lot of freelancers need to think about. And that kind of starts with this idea of a maker manager schedule, which Paul Graham popularized in Silicon Valley, which is this idea that if you're a coder, you got to do your coding on certain days and your meetings on other days. You can't do them both in one day and be interrupted. And I think for freelancers, that makes a ton of sense. So I only take meetings one or two days a week, and then I leave the other two days free to do work and take Fridays off. And so I think that all freelancers need to kind of figure out how do you structure your time? What projects do you say yes to? And understanding that saying yes to one project means that you are going to have to say no to something else. So being really choosy about the direction that you're moving into. Because when I was first starting, I just said yes to everything, which helped me learn very quickly, but also burned me out very quickly. And so I think that that is kind of really important when you're thinking about what gives you energy and how to set that cadence for yourself and how to work best in your, your ideal workflow. That saying yes to everything, I definitely feel that one. I mean, you've got extra time in your schedule. Why not just take it? It's extra money. And that can work when you're first getting started, but there is a point where you have to say no more often because saying all yes all the time, it leads to projects that aren't as exciting. And that affects your ability to form other projects. So that one definitely resonated with me. And just the idea of the energy management, being really careful about how you're using your time and also how you're feeling throughout the day and just being able to monitor that. So, I mean, those are some really great insights for people who want to get on that journey to becoming a six-figure writer. I'm wondering how long did it take for you to 
become a six-figure writer because some people, it, it takes many years. Other people, they're able to do it a lot quicker. I'm wondering what, like, how long it took for you just so listeners have an idea. Totally. It really depends for everybody on how you're getting started in freelance writing. For me personally, I didn't go full-time freelance until I was about three years into my journey. And so I got, I hit six figures about a year after going full-time freelance. But up until that point, it had all been kind of part-time, like for fun on the side before I really decided to go all in on it. And so I think that there's nothing wrong with like tiptoeing into freelance, see if you like it, doing it on the side. And if you're doing it on the side, you should not expect it to become a big six-figure side hustle. I think freelance writing is something you absolutely have to build up. And I, I think that if you want to take it seriously and do it as a career, you have to get as quickly full-time freelance as possible because otherwise it just becomes so difficult to do on top of a normal job and, and really unsustainable and burn out really quickly. Um, so, and I think when you're hitting, when you're trying to set your sights on a six-figure year as a freelancer, I've seen a lot of people be able to get really close within that first year and then they get discouraged if it takes them longer than that and I think that you kind of have to take the time that it needs to figure out what your niche is to figure out what clients you like working with and to also understand what industry are you entering into because as a freelance writer there's so many niches and types of industries that you can service and if you pick the wrong one that's a really slow growing niche like I used to I had an assignment where I used to write copy for cable companies, <laughs> which was not a very uh, growing industry. And so when I finally got out of that, and was able to be paid more in different things adjacent to tech. And so I think that there's a lot of different growing subsets of, of industries, niches, that if you want to get to a six-figure year faster, you should pick a niche that aligns with both your interests and your passions, as well as a growing industry or demand. And trying to figure out like, what is that starving audience that needs your work versus maybe doing something that you really love, like maybe beauty copywriting, if you don't really, if you think that that's going to kind of bring you money, but you don't love it, you're not going to be competitive. So you you have to kind of pick the industry that kind of dovetails nicely with your interests and your passions um, and not get stuck in something that feels a little bit like a dead end. Right through success listeners. I love that Amy mentions that it took multiple years of doing this on the side. And then once she became full-time, it took her a year full-time to then reach that six-figure goal. Uh, there are some people who might be able to do it in a few months, but those are like the extreme exceptions. For most people, it is going to take multiple years. So do you leave your nine to five job right away to become a freelance writer? Probably not. It's good to do it on the side and build up over time as Amy has done. But if you do that side hustle and you build into something full time, it can be very rewarding. Amy, I know you have a book available for people who want to learn more about how you become a six-figure writer. Can you share that with us in some of the places where we can continue to follow your journey? Yeah, definitely. So the book is called Six Figure Freelance Writer. Uh, it was available on Amazon and number one in its category and new releases when it came out. And you can find it on my website, amysuto.com, as well as any of my social media handles at Suto Science, like my last name. Well, Breakthrough Success, we will have those links in the show notes. Make sure you do check out the book. I found it to be a good read. So if you're looking for additional insights that go beyond this episode on what it takes to be a six-figure freelance writer and ways to speed up the path, because part of the reason it takes some of us a few years to become six-figures freelance writers is because we don't know what we're doing when we are starting out. So definitely check out Amy's book, check out her website. Those links will be in the show notes. Amy, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. 
Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Really appreciate it.